Welcome to The Exchange Online. My name is Hal Mayer. I'm the Young Adults Pastor here at Grace Family Church. And I'll be honest with you, uh, this quarantine is getting tough. It is. It's absolutely, it's getting tough. And let me just say this. I, I, you know, I, I crack jokes about it because we're all in this together and it just, it helps us get through it. And if right now you're in a time where you need prayer, there's a spot uh, down below where you can request prayer. We've got somebody waiting to pray for you. And if you're in need, go to gfconline.com, look for the button that says, I need help. And there are places to get help there. But I, I'm talking about the, the fact that, you know, this quarantine thing, I think even for those of us that are true introverts, it's becoming too much. I, I think if you would have told some introverts a while ago, hey, you got a month, you get to stay inside and do whatever you want, they would have been thrilled. But now we realize that it's just a little bit too long. Uh, yesterday, I'm surprised there's not more accidents going on because yesterday my son and I were outside and I was getting bored and he was getting bored. And so we made up a game where he runs across the trampoline and I try to peg him with a ball. Hey, everyone's fine. Everyone's okay. This is what dads and sons do. But it's just one of those things I'm going, what are we doing right now? My wife came home. She's like, what are you doing right now? I don't know. I need to get back to some sense of normalcy. I need to be able to leave the house on a regular basis. But this week we are in week four of our series, The Church Has Left the Building, which is a study of Acts. We've seen Jesus. He died. He rose again. Uh, he came back. He showed himself to over 500 people. He told everybody, hey, you need to tell the world about me, but wait on the Holy Spirit. What do we see? We see the Holy Spirit show up on Pentecost. All of a sudden, they have the ability to speak in tongues of different languages. And we see last week, what did Peter do? Peter gave an incredible message. He gave a gospel message empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how when our message is empowered by the Holy Spirit, it goes through barriers. Well, this week, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We're going to answer a question that maybe we just don't think about that often. And here's the question. What is the church? What is the church? Because here, here's what I want you to think about. If somebody came up to you on a Sunday or a Saturday, whatever it may be, and said, hey, what did you do today? And you said, I went to church. And they're like, what's church? How would you explain it? Like, what would be the words that you would explain it with? Well, when you look at the book of Acts, actually the book of Acts is considered the book to look at when you try to figure out what church is. Because it's the book where the church started. It's the book where the church went through a lot of growing pains, which every church still goes through. But it's the book that really talks about what the church is supposed to be in the eyes of Jesus. And let me just say this. I, I'm going to go after some ideas of church that aren't right. I'm not coming at you. Please don't be offended by this. But there's just some things that I see many times when people define church that are just wrong. Uh, the most famous one that I see many times is I see somebody hunting or fishing or on the beach and they've got a podcast or listening to worship music and they say, hey, I'm just doing church. That's not church. It's good. Don't get me wrong. You can, you know, sit on the beach and watch a message. I listen to messages every single week, both for inspiration and to learn from guys that are better than me at this. You could be sitting, you know, in a hunting stand, listening to worship music, just enjoying God's glory. That's great. And let me just say, those are incredible things to grow your relationship with God. But I want you to understand, that's not church. That's not church. 
None of those things are bad things. Those are personal relationships with Christ, but it's not church. And then I see a lot of people use a certain verse to explain what church is. You see in Matthew 18, you guys have heard of the verse, when two or more are gathered, God will be there. And we use that as a, well, that means that's the church. That's not true. Actually, those entire verses, we've been misusing them for a very long time. The idea there is not when two or more are gathered, God's there and that's the church. That entire chapter, which is what we should do, we should read an entire chapter, if not an entire book around it to understand it, is about church discipline. They're saying this, hey, if somebody's messing up and you go to them and they don't agree with you, you go and you bring someone else with you. And what God says is, hey, when two or more are gathered, I will be with you and I will be part of the problem solving. It has nothing to do with church. And here's the truth, guys. I want you to know this. Just by yourself, God's there. God's everywhere. In fact, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And so it's not that idea. And you're going, well, how, then what's the church? What does the church look like? And I want us to understand something really quick because we get this mixed up many times. Your relationship with Christ is personal, but it's not private. It's personal, but it's not private. Many times we take it as my relationship with Christ is private. It's just about me. Not at all. In fact, when Jesus left, he started the church on purpose because he didn't want your relationship to be private. It's supposed to be done in community. It's supposed to be done in community. I want you to understand this. I want you to understand how important the church is. I See, I believe this. God created us in a certain way, and he created the church to feed into exactly what we need as humans, emotionally, physically, spiritually in that. In fact, you see Jesus talking about the hope of the world is the church. When you look at Ephesians 5, it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved what? Each person, no, loved the church. And what did Christ do? He laid down his life for her. See, the church is the hope of the world. The church is the base where Christians go from. The church is the most important organism that Jesus started. And it's something that we are supposed to be a part of as Christians. It's the place where we're supposed to find encouragement. It's the place where we're supposed to grow. It's the place where we're supposed to find help, to have people, and excuse the cliche, to do life with. The church is where all of this is supposed to happen. It's not supposed to be something we do on Sundays. It's supposed to be the hub of our entire life. See, the church is what God has called us to be, not just a Christian. Understand that that God didn't call us just to be a Christian. God called us to be the church. And one of the most important decisions you will make as a Christian is deciding which church to call home. It's deciding which church to call home. Now, understand this. I'm not saying that Grace Family Church is the only church. Not at all. There are many churches in Tampa and there are many churches in the United States that are incredible churches. But it's important to find a church that you call home, that you fit into. I've seen too many times where people have moved and gone places without realizing that they need a church base. I've seen people come to church you know, have a renewed life, get over addiction, fix marriages, kids come together. Then all of a sudden the dad gets offered a job that's a little bit better and they move and they never find a church again. And I've heard of so many families breaking up and being so many problems. Let me just say this. 
I don't think we understand it enough. Where we move and where we're at, the church that we're going to be a part of is more important than the job we have. Okay, the church that we're going to be a part of is more important than the job that we have. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at the last part of Acts 2. We're going to get a little bit of the background from last week of what was going on when Peter was giving the gospel message. Then we'll go into what the church looked like back then. This is a long verse. Stay with me in this. We're going to start in Acts 2, verses 38. It says this, says, Peter replied, this is him speaking. He goes, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. This is the basic gospel message. Then you will receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued teaching for a long time. Back then they taught for hours. They did not have TV or iPhones or anything like that then. But he strongly urged his listeners, save yourselves from a crooked generation. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, or what you would call communion, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. What do you see here? This is the beginning of the church, beginning of that community. And understand this. This is why Christianity can't be done alone. Christianity is not a momentary thing. It's a lifestyle, right? If we became perfect Christians the moment we became saved, then we wouldn't need the church. But the truth is we all have to grow, right? Christianity is a lifestyle. It's something that happens over time. That's why we need the church to come around us. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at a couple things. This is not an extensive list, but a couple things that every church must have. A couple things that every church must have a part of it when you're looking for a church to be a part of. And here's the first thing. A church has to have Jesus-centered biblical teaching. A church has Jesus-centered biblical teaching. Now, you're going, why? how? That would be every church, right? No. I'm amazed at this, how some churches go all around Jesus and don't go into Jesus. I see churches spend inordinate amount of times in the Old Testament without saying the fact that all of the Old Testament points to Jesus. All of the Old Testament points out our need for Jesus and leads to the coming of Jesus. The rest of the New Testament talks about what happened because he came. See, the entire Bible, yes, it is, has incredible amounts of stories, but the entire Bible leads to Jesus. And the important thing about Jesus is this, is when you take Jesus out of the Bible, when you take Jesus out of our messages, all it is is it's shame and guilt and a whole bunch of Israelites doing things that are awful and God punishing it for them. See, what we realize is this, is that in today's world, when it's around Jesus, yes, we may be doing things that are wrong, but Jesus brings grace. Jesus brings forgiveness. Jesus brings redemption from our sins. See, without Jesus in the middle of our gospel, there is no hope. There's no hope. That's why it's so important to have Jesus in it. Here's the second thing. A church has 
corporate worship. Here's what corporate worship, it's when we worship together. It's everyone coming together. I just made all the worship leaders incredibly happy right now, but also sad in the fact that we don't have worship right now. We don't have corporate worship. We don't have all of us coming together and singing and praising God. And let me just say this, worship is more than music, but a good bit of worship is music. And I say corporate worship because it talks about in the Bible, they were praising God together. Does that mean it's not okay for you to praise God in your car? Not at all. That's a part of the worship that can happen there. But God says we need to come together and worship God. It says in that verse, it says they had a deep sense of awe. That's what worship is. It's in awe of what God has done and what God is continuing to do in our life. Let me just say this. Worship is important. Corporate worship is important because if we are not worshiping God together, then we are all going to worship something, right? We're all going to worship that girlfriend or boyfriend, that spouse, that kid, the job, money, things, power, glory. We will all worship something. What corporate worship allows us to do is come together and remind each other and remind ourselves of the God that we serve, what he has already done and what he will continue to do in our lives. Let me just say this, there will be weeks that you will walk into church not wanting to praise God, but you will see others praising him and realize and be reminded of who God is. And there will be times where you walk into church and you have no choice but to lift up your hands and praise God. And you will be that example for somebody else. See, that's what corporate worship does. It brings everyone to the same place. While things may not be going well in my life, I see what God is doing in somebody else's life. And I'm reminded, even though things may not be going well right now in my life, it could be worse. I could be without God. I could be walking through this without God. I could be going through these things without the hope and the understanding of who God is. Worship brings hope, especially when it's done as a body of believers. Here's something else a church has. A church has godly leadership. You see there it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. A church has teaching and preaching of the gospels. But who are the apostles following? They're following Jesus. You actually see later on there's elders, which is another word for pastors. You see deacons, which is another set of leaders. And you have other leaders. Here's the idea behind that. Everyone had somebody else in their world that had authority over them. Okay? Everyone had somebody else in their world that has authority over them. In our church, I report to Pastor Dean as my main guy that I report to. I also report to Pastor Neil uh, for groups. And then Pastor Dean reports to the executive team. And the executive team uh, has Pastor Craig on it, which is our lead pastor. But all of them report to our elder board. Basically, everyone reports to God. See, everyone has somebody over them in authority. Here's why I say this. See, part of the reason why a church has leadership is because all of us, all of us need to fall under authority. All of us need to fall under authority. We need this. We need this. And some of you right now are tightening up. Understand this. Do you really believe that you are smarter than the collective church? Do you really believe that you have the best perspective on your life? Do you think you don't have blind spots or that you will not justify your acts? See, we all need this. I need this. 
And I'll be honest with you, I don't like it when someone has authority over me. But here's what I've realized. That thing that makes me not like it, the reason I'm not a big fan of it is just pride. It's pride. It's not that I don't think they have good ideas. It's not that I don't think I need to have somebody to be accountable to. It's pride in my life. And I see this many times in men. We don't like the idea that somebody else can speak into our lives. Men, if you don't have someone speaking into your life, you will end up in a place you don't want to be. Women, same thing. When we are left alone, we make dumb decisions and believe dumb things and end up in bad places. See, the church has leadership. It has godly authority in it. We need someone to speak unabashedly into our lives about what is truly going on. We need that leadership there. See, one of the best parts, though, of the book of Acts, and you see this over and over again, is what the church did for each other. See, a church is defined by incredible generosity. Incredible generosity. We see that from the beginning because who was the biggest giver? Jesus, right? He gave of his life. We see in the Bible, we have an inheritance when we become a part of his family. We get to spend eternity in heaven with him, with all of his riches. See, Jesus was that incredible giver. And it is through his example and the Holy Spirit coming into our lives that we too become incredible givers. It's when our hearts are filled with generosity. See, but here's the deal. Incredible giving comes from a transformed heart. It's not something that we normally do. We're not just naturally generous. We're generous to a part where we enjoy being generous because of what it gives to us. What the Holy Spirit does is he comes into the hearts of every believer and he makes us generous in a way that we want to give more because we know that's what Jesus did for us. So you see in the church, what does it say there? So they were sharing everything they owned. It said they were selling possessions and helping the poor. Later on, you see them selling their houses and all these things. Incredible, insane generosity. Now, this is the part where someone in the audience, I know you guys are all online, but someone there goes, oh, well, that just means that we should be communist. Look, understand this. This is not at all, not at all, what the government should be. In fact, this is not a model for the government whatsoever. This is a model for the church. And notice this here. Generosity was not something that they had to do. It was something that they chose to do, right? There's a difference between a tax and a tithe, right? Like a tithe is something you decide to give. It's something that comes from your heart. A tax is something you don't decide to give or not. I mean, you can try to decide. You can try to say that you won't pay it, but then you will have a new ministry from prison. But there's a difference between a tax and a tithe. And the government is a totally different thing. This is not talking about the way the government should act. In fact, the government will never act this way. Because the government government will never believe that people have changed enough and love the country enough just to give. I mean, imagine if the government stopped taxing everyone and just decided to have an offering. Can you imagine how little revenue it would have? Okay, I'm just saying this. There's a difference here. What you see right here is transformed hearts through the Holy Spirit and a group of believers where people are deciding to have less so that others can have more. Now, some of you right now, as soon as a pastor talks about money, you just get unhappy. You don't like it. Let me just say this. The reason you're unhappy right now is not because I'm talking about money. It's because I'm talking about your God. 
Because I'm talking about your God. If you get tense when you talk about money, it's because you care too much about money. Here's what's great. Here's what's great about online right now. I'm not taking up an offering. At the end of this, I'm not going to go and give with your hearts or something like that. I'm not going to say any of that. And because of that, I could just be absolutely blunt right now. God calls us to be generous. If we refuse to be generous, it's because pride has come into our lives and money has become our God. There's a reason why Jesus talks about money so much in the Bible. It's not because he's greedy. It's because he knows it's so easy that it becomes our God because it can solve the problems that we care about the most, or at least we believe it can't. See, I've seen incredible generosity. I've seen this where a mom and a son, a single mom had a son. That son was young and he had an incredibly aggressive form of cancer. They, they took them in front of the church and they prayed for them. And the mom was incredibly worried because she had to work. She was a single mom. And while these cancer treatments were going on, she wasn't sure how she was going to juggle the job and the cancer treatments. Uh, a couple in the church who had just bought a truck, all of a sudden felt the need on their hearts to return that truck, take that money, give it to the mom so she could stay at home and stay with her son during the cancer treatments. See, what happens is that son recovers. He grows up in the church, becomes an incredible young man. That mom gets to remarry in the church. She gets a husband. That little boy gets a new dad. All that came around some incredible generosity. See, I've seen this even during this coronavirus deal. I know a small group that helps out a young single mom every single week. They go through and they look for single moms who need help and they help them every week during this time, especially those that have lost jobs. Why all this generosity? Is this something that they had to do? Am I, am I telling you right now, go sell your car, go sell whatever you have and give it to others? No, I'm not. I'm saying though, be open to what the Holy Spirit wants you to be as far as generosity is concerned. See, the church is a place filled with incredible amounts of resources. So then when I have enough, I'm able to bless others. When I don't have enough, others bless me. That's the idea of the church. Incredible generosity. Here's something else. A church must meet regularly. A church meets regularly. Regularly. I get asked all the time, why do we meet on Sunday, not on Saturday? Saturday's the Sabbath. We meet on Sunday because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. And every time we meet on Sunday, it's proclaiming to the world, this is the day of the week that Jesus rose again. See, and what you see here, what happens? You see them meet in homes. And they also meet at the temple. They met in big groups regularly. They met in small groups regularly on a regular basis. Here's one of the biggest myths in the church sometimes. Sometimes people read the book of Acts and say, see, it was just in homes. It was always small meetings. That's not what we see at all. Yes, we see them meeting in homes, but some of these homes were not small. Some of these homes we have recorded had hundreds of people in them. On top of that, you see them meeting at the temple. You see them meeting at the temple courts. You see Paul actually renting out big halls for everyone to come together. So the idea of having this big church is not bad, but there should also be smaller groups at the same time. 
See, Christianity couldn't have grown the way that it did if it, all of it was was unorganized small groups. This was a church. This was a collective. You see, it wasn't just that they were meeting all together. They were meeting regularly at home. They were breaking bread. They were having dinner. They were having, it says, the Lord's Supper together. They were constantly reminding each other of what was going on. See, the church in and of itself in the large group and the small group was a part of their lifestyle. It was their life. It's what they centered everything else around. It wasn't they had a life and then church fit in. The church was their life. Those friends were their life. Other Christians were their life. And everything else was forced to fit in to what they were doing. Very different idea of church than we have today. See, in the same way, guys, we need to be involved in large groups and we need to be involved in small groups. Both regularly, both weekly. And here's, here's what a church has to do. A church has to develop community. A church develops community. I get asked this question, when is a church too big? A church is too big when it refuses to find ways to become small. Here's what I mean by that. If a church doesn't develop community, it's already become too big. If a church has thousands of people, but all of those people are in smaller groups and community, it's not too big. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. In fact, when you look at the early church, it's more of that idea. A whole bunch of home groups coming together for worship and then going back out in their communities and meeting regularly in those homes. See, we don't just need to be a part of the large group. We also need to be a part of the small group. And let me just say this. You are missing half of what God calls the church if you are not a part of a small group. If you're not a part of a smaller community where you talk about life and get into each other's lives. But here's the deal. And let me help you understand this. The church is a family, okay? What does that mean? That means when you join a group, guess what? You're going to drive them a little bit crazy, why? Because you're family. And when you join a group, they may drive you a little bit crazy also. Why? Because it's family. There's this idea that the church is so perfect. Everybody just loves each other and is just right. No, a church is a family. Maybe not as bad as your family, but a church is a family, which means there's going to be different personalities, different types of people all coming together. And guess what? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. See, the reason Jesus said the way the world will know that you love me is through your unity is not because he knew that would just easily happen. He knew that it was going to be a chore for people with different personalities and different giftings and from different places to come together and unify under one person. See, we want that craziness because we want a bigger family. We want a bigger family. See, and because, and that continues to happen if this, and this is so important for a church, and this is what you see missing so many times. A church grows through evangelism. A church grows through sharing the gospel. What do we see in this chapter? We see the church grow from 120 to about 3,120. In fact, at the end of the chapter, what did it say? It said, the Lord added to them day by day. You see this more and more growth. But here's the problem. A lot of people, you may say you want growth, but then you don't want it as much. And you say things like this, man, I used to talk to the pastor more. I used to have one-on-one -on -one time with this. I used to know everybody. I liked it when it was smaller and more intimate. I knew people who literally, I was at a church where an old lady would kick new 
guests out of her chair because she said, that's mine. That is the entire wrong idea of what church is supposed to be. In fact, church is supposed to be a family. As we welcome people in, we are excited about it. It's like adding children. It's more work, yes. It is more problems, yes. But it is also more joy. It's more joy. The bigger the family, more problems, more work, but more joy. The church is like adding a family member. It's like a big family. I would rather have a big family to be in one that never changed. It says in Luke verse 47, it says they added to their number every day. And every time I talk about this, people go, well, then it's all about the numbers. Look, understand this. What do you see in the Bible? About 3,000 people, 120 people. They counted back then. Somebody was counting. And here's why numbers matter, because every number is a person. Every person is a name, and every name is somebody that God cares about. Yes, numbers matter. Yes, we want to grow. Why? Because that matters to God. In the same way, when my sister and I, we go on vacation, how many kids do we have? Six in total. How do I know that? I count them. We count them before we leave. We count them on the way to the beach. We count them at the beach several times and we count them on the way back. Why? Because we care about them. In the same way, God wants to add to our numbers. Why? Because each person matters to God and a church that is healthy is a church that will grow. You actually see that's the reason why Grace Family Church is a part of something called ARC. Association of Related Churches is a group of churches that come together to pool their money to start new churches. It's the reason why Grace will always continue to add campuses. Why? Because campuses reach more people far away from God than the home church does. We will always be doing things to continue to help to add people to God's family. Yes, it's stressful sometimes. Yes, it is uncomfortable sometimes. Yes, there will be problems because every person has their own problems just like you do. But as a church, we come around them and we love them and then we send them back out to bring more people in. Guys, I want you to understand, I care about the church very much. I care about the church because Jesus died for it. I care about the church because Jesus started it. And he said, this is what will be the hope of the world. I care about the church because Jesus said, this is what we should be a part of. The church is important. And this idea that I can have this Christian faith outside of the church is absolutely false. I said this earlier, your faith is personal, absolutely, but it is not private. The church matters and that's why you should be a part of one. I'm not saying you have to be a part of grace, but if grace doesn't fit for you, then you find another church. And let me just say this as an aside. Many times we talk about spiritual gifts and people get excited about spiritual gifts. The reason you have a spiritual gift is not to employ your vision for your life or to do your own calling. The reason you have spiritual gifts, it says in the Bible, is for you to bring them into the church to love and care for others and to build up the church. In the same way, everyone else's spiritual gifts are there to love and care for you and build you up. You don't have a spiritual gift to fulfill your ministry. You have a spiritual gift to fulfill the church's ministry. It's all about the church. Introverts, extroverts, it's all about us coming together in this. We cannot allow the church to be redefined. Now, let me just say this. In this time, I understand even more why we need the church. It is great that we can meet online. It's great that we can do certain things 
But this misses so much of what the church is. The church is about being near people, being in the same room as people. Yes, there will always be a need for an online church for those that need it in the moment, those that are sick, those that, are in, that can't move, those that are in nursing homes and all those things, those that situations just call for that to happen. But we've got to be careful. And I know this. I know none of you are sitting there right now going, I don't want to go back. But we've got to be careful to replace church with something that we do on our own. We've got to be, be careful to replace church with a podcast or an incredible sermon by Stephen Furtick. Nothing wrong with him. I listen to him also. Incredible teacher. But he would tell you the same thing. You need the church. The church is not a Spotify playlist. It's not a podcast. It's a group of people, a group of Christians coming together to be a part of something bigger than they could ever accomplish on their own. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that you gave us the church. God, we love you so much. We love the fact that you allowed us to be a part of this. God, I pray that we would continue to deep dive into what you have for us. God, I pray that that craving for community will only continue as we come out of quarantine. God, I pray that we would bond together and come closer to reach more and others for you. God, we thank you for the church. We thank you that you've given it to us. Let us not forget how important it truly is. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.